0: Chapter Two, Part One of the Deluge, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Deluge, Volume Two by Heinrich Schenkiewicz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter Two, Part One according to the wish of his officers miller began negotiations again there came to the cloister from the swedish camp a well-known polish noble respected for his age and his eloquence they received him graciously on Yasnagora, judging that only in seeming and through constraint would he argue for surrender but in reality would add to their courage and confirm the news which had broken through the besieged wall of the rising in great poland of the dislike of the quarter-troops to Sweden, of the negotiations of Jan Casimir with the Cossacks, who, as it were, seemed willing to return to obedience, finally of the tremendous declaration of the Khan of the Tartars, that he was marching with aid to the vanquished king, all of whose enemies he would pursue with fire and sword. But how the monks were mistaken! The personage brought, indeed, a large bundle of news, but news that was appalling, news to cool the most fervent zeal, to crush the most invincible resolution, stagger the most ardent faith. The priests and the nobles gathered around him in the council chamber, in the midst of silence and attention. From his lips sincerity itself seemed to flow, and pain for the fate of the country. He placed his hand frequently on his white head as if wishing to restrain an outburst of despair. He gazed on the crucifix, he had tears in his eyes, and in slow, broken accents he uttered the following words ah what times the suffering country has lived to all help is past it is incumbent to yield to the king of the swedes for whom in reality have you revered fathers and you lord brothers the nobles seized your swords for whom are you sparing neither watching nor toil nor suffering nor blood for whom through resistance unfortunately vain are you exposing yourselves and holy places to the terrible vengeance of the invincible legions of Sweden is it for Jan Casimir but he has already disregarded our kingdom do you not know that he has already made his choice and preferring wealth joyous feasts and peaceful delights to a troublesome throne has abdicated in favor of Karl Gustav you are not willing to leave him but he has left you you are unwilling to break your oath he has broken it you are ready to die for him but he cares not for you nor for any of us our lawful king now is karl gustav be careful then lest you draw on your heads not merely anger vengeance and ruin but sin before heaven the cross and the most holy lady for you are raising insolent hands not against invaders but against your own king These words were received in silence, as though death were flying through that chamber. What could be more terrible than news of the abdication of young Casimir? It was in truth monstrously improbable, but that old noble gave it to there in presence of the cross, in presence of the image of Mary, and with tears in his eyes. But if it were true, further resistance was in fact madness. The nobles covered their eyes with their hands, the monks pulled their cowls over their heads, and silence, as of the grave, continued unbroken. But Kordetski, the prior, began to whisper earnest prayer with his pallid lips, and his eyes, calm, deep, clear, and piercing, were fixed on the speaker immovably. The noble felt that inquiring glance, was ill at ease and oppressed by it. He wished to preserve the marks of importance, benignity, compassionate virtue, good wishes, but he could not he began to cast restless glances on the other fathers and after a while he spoke further it is the worst thing to inflame stubbornness by a long abuse of patience the result of your resistance will be the destruction of this holy church and the infliction on you god avert it of a terrible and cruel rule which you will be forced to obey aversion to the world and avoidance of its questions are the weapons of monks what have you to do with the uproar of war you whom the precepts of your order call to retirement and silence my brothers revered and most beloved fathers do not take on your hearts do not take on your consciences such a terrible responsibility it was not you who built the sacred retreat not for you alone must it serve permit that it flourish and that it bless this land for a long ages so that our sons and grandsons may rejoice in it here the traitor opened his arms and fell into tears the nobles were silent the fathers were silent doubt had seized all their hearts were tortured and despair was at hand the memory of baffled and useless endeavors weighed on their minds like lead i am waiting for your answer fathers said the venerable traitor dropping his head on his breast Kordetsky now rose, and with a voice in which there was not the least hesitation or doubt, spoke as if with the vision of a prophet. Your statement that Jan Kazimir has abandoned us, has abdicated and transferred his rights to Karl Gustav, is a calumny. Hope has entered the heart of our banished king, and never has he toiled more zealously than he is toiling at this moment to secure the salvation of the country, to secure his throne, and bring us aid in oppression the mask fell in an instant from the face of the traitor malignity and deceit were reflected in it as clearly as if dragons had crept out at once from the dens of his soul in which till that moment they had held themselves hidden whence this intelligence whence this certainty inquired he whence answered the prior pointing to a great crucifix hanging on the wall go place your finger on the pierced feet of christ and repeat what you have told us the traitor began to bend as if under the crushing of an iron hand and a new dragon terror crawled forth to his face kordetsky the prior stood lordly terrible as a moses rays seemed to shoot from his temples go repeat said he without lowering his head in a voice so powerful that the shaken arches of the council chamber trembled and echoed as in fear go repeat a moment of silence followed at last the stifled voice of the visitor was heard i wash my hands like pilot finished kordetsky the trader rose and walked out of the room he hurried through the yard of the cloister and when he found himself outside the gate he began to run almost as if something were hunting him from the cloister to the swedes Zamoyski went to charnetsky and komita who had not been in the hall to tell them what had happened did that envoy bring any good? asked Charnyetsky. He had an honest face. God guard us from such honest men, answered Zamoyski. He brought doubt and temptation. What did he say? asked Kamita, raising a little, the lighted match which he was holding in his hand. He spoke like a hired trader. That is why he hastens so now, I suppose, said Charnyetsky. See, he is running with almost full speed to the Swedish camp. Oh, I would send a ball after him. "'A good thing,' said Kamita, and he put a match to the cannon. The thunder of the gun was heard before Zamoyski and Charnyetski could see what had happened. Zamoyski caught his head. "'In God's name!' cried he. "'What have you done? He was an envoy.' "'I have done ill,' answered Kamita, "'for I missed. He is on his feet again and hastens farther. Oh, why did it go over him?' Here he turned to Zamoyski. Though I had hit him in the loins, they could not have proved that we fired at him purposely. And God knows I could not hold the match in my fingers. It came down of itself. Never should I have fired at an envoy who was a Swede. But at sight of Polish traitors, my entrails revolt. Oh, curb yourself! For there would be trouble, and they would be ready to injure our envoys. But Charniecki was content in his soul, for Kamita heard him mutter, At least that traitor will be sure not to come on an embassy again. This did not escape the ear of Zamoyski, for he answered, If not this one, others will be found. And do you, gentlemen, make no opposition to their negotiations? Do not interrupt them of your own will. For the more they drag on, the more it results to our profit. Succour, if God sends it, will have time to assemble, and a hard winter is coming, making the siege more and more difficult. Delay is a loss for an enemy, but brings profit to us. Zamoyski then went to the chamber, where after the envoy's departure consultation was still going on the words of the traitor had startled the men minds and souls were excited they did not believe it is true in the abdication of young Casimir, but the envoy had held up to their vision the power of the swedes which previous days of success had permitted them to forget now it confronted their minds with all that terror before which towns and fortresses not such as theirs had been frightened poznan Warsaw, Krakow, not counting the multitude of castles which had opened their gates to the conqueror how could Yasnogora defend itself in a general deluge of defeats we shall defend ourselves a week longer two three thought to themselves some of the nobles and some of the monks but what farther what end will there be to these efforts the whole country was like a ship already deep in the abyss and that cloister was peering up like the top of a mast through the waves could those wrecked ones clinging to the mast think not merely of saving themselves but of raising that vessel from under the ocean according to man's calculations they could not and still at the moment when zamoyski re-entered the hall Kordetsky was saying my brothers if you sleep not neither do i sleep when you are imploring our patroness for rescue i too am praying weariness toil weakness cling to my bones as well as to yours responsibility in like manner weighs upon me nay more perhaps than upon you why have i faith while you seem in doubt enter into yourselves or is it that your eyes blinded by earthly power see not a power greater than the swedes or think you that no defense will suffice that no hand can overcome that preponderance if that is the case your thoughts are sinful and you blaspheme against the mercy of god against the almight of our lord against the power of that patroness whose servants you call yourselves who of you will dare to say that the most holy queen cannot shield us and send victory therefore let us beseech her let us implore day and night till by our endurance our humility our tears our sacrifice of body and health we soften her heart and pray away our previous sins father said one of the nobles it is not a question for us of our lives or of our wives and children But we tremble at the thought of the insults which may be put on the image should the enemy capture the fortress by storm and we do not wish to take on ourselves the responsibility added another for no one has a right to take it not even the prior added a third and the opposition increased and gained boldness all the more since many monks maintained silence the prior instead of answering directly began to pray O mother of thy only son, said he, raising his hands and his eyes toward heaven, if thou hast visited us so, that in thy capital we should give an example to others of endurance, of bravery, of faithfulness to thee, to the country, to the king, if thou hast chosen this place in order to rouse by it the consciences of men and save the whole country, have mercy on those who desire to restrain, to stop the fountain of thy grace, to hinder thy miracles, and resist thy holy will here he remained a moment in ecstasy and then turned to the monks and nobles what man will take on his shoulders this responsibility the responsibility of stopping the miracles of mary her grace her salvation for this kingdom and the catholic faith in the name of the father son and holy ghost answered a number of voices god preserve us from that such a man will not be found cried zamoyski and those of the monks, in whose hearts doubt had been plunging, began to beat their breasts, for no small fear had now seized them, and none of the councillors thought of surrender that evening. But though the hearts of the older men were strengthened, the destructive planting of that hireling had given forth fruits of poison. News of the abdication of young Casimir and the improbability of succour went from the nobles to the women, from the women to the servants the servant spread it among the soldiers on whom it made the very worst impression the peasants were astonished least of all but experienced soldiers accustomed to calculate the turns of war in soldier fashion only began to assemble and explain to one another the impossibility of further defense complaining of the stubbornness of monks who did not understand the position and finally to conspire and talk in secret a certain gunner a german of suspected fidelity proposed that the soldiers themselves take the matter in hand and come to an understanding with the swedes touching the surrender of the fortress others caught at this idea but there were those who not only opposed the treason resolutely but informed kordetsky of it without delay kordetsky who knew how to join with the firmest trust in the powers of heaven the greatest earthly adroitness and caution destroyed the secretly spreading treason in its inception first of all he expelled from the fortress the leaders of the treason and at the head of them that gunner having no fear whatever what they could inform the swedes regarding the state of the fortress and its weak sides then doubling the monthly wages of the garrison he took from them an oath to defend the cloister to the last drop of their blood but he redoubled also his watchfulness resolving to look with more care to the paid soldiers as well as the nobles and even his own monks the older fathers were detailed to the night choirs the younger besides the service of god were obliged to render service on the walls next day a review of the infantry was held to each bastion one noble with his servants ten monks and two reliable gunners were detailed all these were bound to watch night and day the places confided to them panmosinski took his place at the northeastern bastion he was a good soldier the man whose little child had survived in a miraculous manner though a bomb fell near its cradle with him father hilary slavashevsky kept guard on the western bastion was father maialetsky of the nobles pan mikolai kristoporsky a man surly and abrupt in speech but of unterrified valor the southeastern bastion was occupied by charnetsky and kmita and with them was father adam who had formerly been a hussar. He, when the need came, tucked up his habit, aimed cannon, and took no more heed of the balls flying over his head than did the old sergeant soroka Finally, to the southwestern bastion were appointed Pan Skorjevsky and Father Daniel Rytolsky, who were distinguished by this, that both could abstain from sleep two and three nights in succession, without harm to their health or their strength. Fathers Dobrash and Malahovsky were appointed over the sentries persons unfitted for fighting were appointed to the roofs the armory and all military implements father liasota took under his care after father dobroche he took also the office of master of the fires in the night he had to illuminate the walls so that the infantry of the enemy might not approach them he arranged sockets and iron holders on the towers on which flamed at night torches and lights in fact the whole tower looked every night like one gigantic torch It is true that this lightened cannonading for the Swedes, but it might serve as a sign that the fortress was holding out yet If perchance some army should march to relieve the besieged So then not only had designs of surrender crept apart into nothing, but the besieged turned with still greater zeal to the defense Next morning the prior walked along the walls like a shepherd through a sheepfold saw that everything was right, smiled kindly, praised the chiefs and the soldiers, and coming to Charnyetsky, said with radiant face, Our beloved leader, Pan Zamoyski, rejoices equally with me, for he says that we are now twice as strong as at first. A new spirit has entered men's hearts. The grace of the Most Holy Lady will do the rest. But meanwhile I will take to negotiations again. We will delay and put off, for by such means the blood of the people will be spared." oh revered father said kmita what good are negotiations loss of time better another sortie tonight, and we will cut up those dogs kordetski for he was in good humor smiled as a mother smiles at a wayward child then he raised a band of straw lying near the gun and pretended to strike pan Andrei with it on the shoulders and you will interfere here you lithuanian plague you will lap blood as a wolf and give an example of disobedience here it is for you here it is for you Kmita, delighted as a schoolboy dodged to the right and to the left and as if teasing purposely repeated kill the swedes kill 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 and so they gave comfort to one another having ardent souls devoted to the country but kordetsky did not omit negotiations seeing that miller desired them earnestly and caught after every pretext this desire pleased kordetsky for he divined without trouble that it could not be going well with the enemy if he was so anxious to finish days passed then one after another in which guns and muskets were not indeed silent but pens were working mainly in this way the siege was prolonged and winter was coming harsher and harsher on the carpathian summits clouds hatched in their precipitous nests storms frost and snows and then came forth on the country leading their icy descendants at night the swedes cowered around fires choosing to die from the balls of the cloister rather than freeze A hard winter had rendered difficult the digging of trenches and the making of mines. There was no progress in the siege. In the mouths not merely of officers, but of the whole army, there was only one word—negotiations. The priests feigned at first a desire to surrender. Father Dobrosch and the learned priest Sebastian Stavitsky came to Miller as envoys. They gave him some hope of agreement. He had barely heard this when he opened his arms and was ready to seize them with joy to his embraces it was no longer a question of chenstohova but of the whole country the surrender of yasnogora would have removed the last hope of the patriots and pushed the commonwealth finally into the arms of the king of sweden while on the contrary resistance and that a victorious resistance might change hearts and call out a terrible new war signs were not wanting miller knew this felt what he had undertaken what a terrible responsibility was weighing on him he knew that either the favor of the king with the baton of a marshal honors a title were waiting for him or final fall since he had begun to convince himself that he could not crack this nut he received the priests with unheard-of honor as if they were ambassadors from the emperor of germany or the sultan he invited them to a feast he drank to their honor and also to the health of the prior and pan zamoyski he gave them fish for the cloister finally he offered conditions of surrender so gracious that he did not doubt for a moment that they would be accepted in haste the fathers thanked him humbly as beseemed monks they took the paper and went their way miller promised the opening of the gates at eight of the following morning joy indescribable reigned in the camp of the swedes the soldiers left the trenches approached the walls and began to address the besieged but it was announced from the cloister That in an affair of such weight the prior must consult with the whole congregation the monks therefore begged for one day's delay miller consented without hesitation meanwhile they were counseling in the chamber till late at night though miller was an old and trained warrior though there was not perhaps in the whole swedish army a general who had conducted more negotiations with various places than that Poliorcetes, still his heart beat unquietly when next morning he saw two white habits approaching his quarters They were not the same fathers first walked father Bleshinsky, a reader of philosophy bearing a sealed letter After him came father Malahovsky, with hands crossed on his breast with drooping head and a face slightly pale The general received them surrounded by his staff and all his noted colonels And when he had answered politely the submissive bow of father Bleszinski He took the letter from his hand hastily and began to read but all at once his face changed terribly a wave of blood flew to his head his eyes were bursting forth his neck grew thick and terrible anger raised the hair under his wig for a while speech was taken from him he only indicated with his hand the letter to the prince of hesha who ran over it with his eyes and turning to the colonels said calmly the monks declare only this much that they cannot renounce yon casimir before the primate proclaims a new king." Or speaking in other words, they will not recognize Karl Gustav. Here, the Prince of Hesse laughed. Sadovski fixed a jeering glance on Miller, and Count Weihart began to pluck his own beard from rage. A terrible murmur of excitement rose among those present. Then Miller struck his palms on his knees and cried, "Guards! Guards!" The moustached faces of four musketeers showed themselves quickly in the door take those shaven sticks cried the general and confine them and pan Sadovski, do you trumpet for me under the cloister that if they open fire from one cannon on the walls i will hang these two monks the next moment the two priests were led out amid ridicule and the scoffing of soldiers the musketeers put their own caps on the priests heads or rather on their faces to cover their eyes and led them of purpose to various obstacles when either of the priests stumbled or fell an outburst of laughter was heard in the crowds but the fallen man they raised with the butts of muskets and pretending to support they pushed him by the loins and the shoulders some threw horse dung at the priests others took snow and rubbed it on their shaven crowns or let it roll down on their habits the soldiers tore strings from trumpets and tying one end to the neck of each priest held the other and imitating men taking cattle to a fair called out the prices Both fathers walked on in silence, with hands crossed on their breasts and prayers on their lips. Finally, trembling from cold and insulted, they were enclosed in a barn. Around the place, guards armed with muskets were stationed. Miller's command, or rather his threat, was trumpeted under the cloister walls. The fathers were frightened, and the troops were benumbed from the threat. The cannon were silent. A council was assembled. They knew not what to do. To leave the fathers in cruel hands was impossible, and if they sent others, Miller would detain them as well. A few hours later he himself sent a messenger, asking what the monks thought of doing. They answered that until the fathers were freed no negotiations could take place, for how could the monks believe that the general would observe conditions with them if, despite the chief law of nations, he imprisoned envoys whose sacredness even barbarians respect? To this declaration there was no ready answer hence terrible uncertainty weighed on the cloister and froze the zeal of its defenders the swedish army dug new trenches in haste filled baskets with earth planted cannon insolent soldiers pushed forward to within half a musket shot of the walls they threatened the church the defenders half drunken soldiers shouted raising their hands toward the walls surrender the cloister or you will see your monks hanging others blasphemed terribly against the mother of god and the catholic faith the besieged out of respect to the life of the fathers had to listen with patience rage stopped the breath in camita's breast he tore the hair on his head the clothing on his breast and wringing his hands said to charnyetsky i asked of what use is negotiation with criminals now stand and suffer while they are crawling into our eyes and blaspheming Mother of God, have mercy on me, and give me patience. By the living God they will begin soon to climb the walls. Hold me, chain me like a murderer, for I shall not contain myself. But the Swedes came ever nearer, blaspheming more boldly. End of chapter 2 Part 1